obviously, for being here tonight, but also for uh, knowing that Pastor wasn't going to be here and coming anyway. Amen. And thank you to everyone that uh, chipped in, uh, helping out with different things, and uh, with the, our janitor, beloved janitor Stephen, being out of town. And we really appreciate that very much. Now, you know the rules. When we get let out early, we don't tell Pastor, right? Okay, now we start recording. Okay, so I'm look, I was looking at the time clock. It's, uh, we should get out of here before 8.30, so you should be home. I don't know how long it takes to get home, 9, 9.30. Uh, so they're an hour behind us in Oklahoma, so that would be about 8, 8.30. So you might be able to catch the tail end of the graduation, actually see the students walk the aisle. Uh, you might even catch the tail end of the commencement sermon. So um, that's heartlandbaptist.edu, heartlandbaptist.edu. And uh, if you want to catch that, they live stream it over the internet, and uh, that's at the uh, at the church. So, and if it's not working, I apologize, but you know how that goes. Well, it's been a gloomy day, hasn't it? I mean, it's gloomy. Look at it. I mean, it's been overcast all day. It's rained on and off, and uh, you know, there's just things going on today. Uh, I don't know if maybe any of you are feeling that, but uh, praise the Lord, the light's on in here, and I uh, hope to shine the light tonight with the message a little bit. But maybe it'll be appropriate uh, for, uh, for this time. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I freely admit that this sermon is a bit of a plagiarization of Pastor Montoro's sermon that he preached actually from this text about six weeks ago. But I think it's one of those texts that uh, in Romans chapter 5 where... It's kind of like uh, just when you think you got it, you lost it. You know what I mean? You think you just think you got it all figured out, and then you know, it's like, man, I need to, I need that one again. So um, maybe approach it a little bit different angle. But I know that when he preached it, it really spoke to my heart. It was something that I, I really needed to hear, and God's kind of used it in my life, and hopefully He will use it in yours as well. And also um, something I have preached uh, down there in Greenpoint. And I do want to ask you to continue to pray for us there at the church. Some people are still asking. It's the North Brooklyn Baptist Church there in Greenpoint. We've started. We've been going for about seven weeks. And God's blessed us. I say every week we've had successful services. That means God's been glorified. His name's been praised. You know, the word's been preached. So that's a success, right? <laughs> of course, we would like people to come, too. But, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily gauge your success, how many people show up. So uh, successful services every week. And, uh, but continue to pray for us. Numbers are obviously kind of low. It is kind of disappointing. We've had one lady uh, be faithful uh, just about every week that she can. And uh, some other folks come in to check us out. So just pray for us. We've got different things going on. We're passing out tracts, obviously, passing out the John and Romans that we assembled, trying to talk to people out on the streets, different times of the day, going to different places, just uh, trying to catch people, hanging up some signs in different community areas where people, you know, kind of check those things out. As God provides some funds, then we're going to try to put some little ads in some of those, you know, freebie newspapers that get passed out in the subway, things like that, and uh, kind of just uh, let people know that we're out there. And uh, that's, that's important. Sometimes you can uh, be close by and never even know that a church is, is, is there. Or, you know, churches, you know, clo- it's closed most of the week. People sometimes don't know what's going on. We're going to have try to have a little open house. Uh, I, we might be able to get it in this Sunday afternoon, although I, I, it's doubtful, but next Sunday for sure. Kind of like a 1 to 5 on a Sunday. We have a lot of foot traffic that goes by our building on Sunday, but not during the week. Um, so 
because there's some stores that are open on Sunday. So we're going to hang up some signs out on the street and let people know, hey, we have an open house and have coffee and refreshments and just kind of let people meet us. And then I've been, you know, hanging up a sign when I'm in the office, letting people know, hey, come on in, have coffee, meet the pastor. Uh, and no one's taken it up on me yet, but, uh, you, you know, I've only had it up for maybe six hours total. Uh, just started this week. So uh, just pray for that, that God will give us opportunity to meet folks, met people in the building. Uh, you know, just Sunday afternoon, we dropped everybody off. I came back to the building. I was a little unorganized and forgot the piano. And uh, I ran back to the building and, and there was this guy walking with a cane and I thought, uh, you know, maybe I'll just tell him that there's a church here. He looked like he lived in the neighborhood and uh, met him. Turns out he was a retired police officer. He's lived in Greenpoint for like 20 years. He lives right down, literally right down the block on Noble Street. And uh, this man has an incredible story. And, uh, and he's, he's at a church and he knows he shouldn't be. And uh, so pray that maybe he'll come this Sunday. His name is Terry. And uh, I do have an opportunity to follow up with him since he lives so close. Uh, but just uh, God's opening doors. And uh, if you could also pray about this Sunday. We need all hands on deck to pray, um, assuming that the meeting still is on. And if it's not, well, that's okay. Your prayers won't be wasted. Just continue to pray. Um, we're going to meet with the man in charge of the old Baptist church building that we've been talking about on Noble Street. And he's, he's willing to sit down and talk with us. So that, that's, a, that's an answer to prayer. That's a big answer to prayer. So pray for us about that if you would. And a uh, pastor is going to preach. Now, keep in mind, he's going to drive all the way back from Oklahoma, Friday, Saturday. He's going to crash land here Saturday night. He's going to preach to you, his heart out, all Sunday morning. And then he's going to jump in the van and drive down there for a 1.30 meeting in Greenpoint. Okay, so you really need to pray for him uh, just for strength of mind and body and uh, everything that's going on with that. He will be doing most of the talking uh, because, you know, I'm just some young punk to them. You know, I, I don't know anything, right? And, uh, but he's been there, done that, and, uh, you know... What has been done to this building, this building Greenpoint needs, and much more. Uh, so it's, uh, I think this building was built around 1910. The building in Greenpoint was built in 1863. Okay, so it is an old building, and it needs a lot of help. But uh, it's a chance to rescue something that uh, is really a piece of history. And, uh, and it would be to the glory of God if it be his will. So just pray for that meeting, if you will. Now, Sunday night, I hope to have some good news about it, but it won't be like we've got the building site news. It'll just be... A step in the right direction, okay? So just pray for us about that. You know, the, the process will continue um, the way um, God would will it and that it would be done to his glory and that we will speak very wisely uh, Sunday afternoon uh, and conduct ourselves well. Well, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. Very familiar passage. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't want to read that again. I wasn't paying attention. How about you? Therefore, in light of everything that's been said in the last two chapters, which we will discuss, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing the tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, experience hope. And hope make not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, once again, as has already been prayed tonight, we ask for your blessing on the preaching of your word. I pray as we open our Bibles, we would open our hearts to it, that we would see ourselves in these pages, God, and we would see things that um, speak to us about your heavenly kingdom, speak to us about your work here on earth, and speak to us about our own lives and what's going on in them. And Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would um, be a part of this endeavor be, be, be what makes this, this sermon work, Lord. And we pray it for every sermon that we preach, that God, your Holy Spirit, would illuminate us to the things of God It would push aside the things of the world in our hearts and it would protect us from evil, Lord, in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Consider with me tonight two simple truths about the Christian life. Two simple truths about the Christian life. First, it's good to be a Christian. I need an amen. It's good to be a Christian. You know what I'm talking about? It's good to be a Christian. The Christian life is a good life. Number one. Secondly, it doesn't always feel that way. I need an amen on that one too, right? It doesn't always feel that way. You know, though, as a Christian, we enjoy many benefits of a life walking with God. But it's not without its disappointments. You know, I want to be sure as, I, as, I, as I'm developing as a preacher that I don't want to be a, a gloom and doom sort of preacher, you know, where every time people, you know, uh, voluntarily come and sit before me and ask me to open up the Word of God and show them something out of it, that it's not constant, you know, pounding on their head and feeling like you're just getting beat up every time. But neither do I want to be a, you know, I've got a world on, the world on a string sort of preacher and just, you know, uh, shower uh, the congregation with just... Uh, flowery statements. I want to be, tell the, the whole counsel of God, preach what the entire word has to say to us. And one thing about the word is that it deals with um, us, deals with life as it is. So it doesn't make any sort of pretension that life is always going to be good. Life is always going to be great. Uh, it would be a complete falsehood for me to try to win people to Christianity by saying, man, believe in Jesus and he'll just make all your dreams come true. That's actually incredibly dishonest, is it not? I mean, now, is the Christian life a good life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I can say that with 100% confidence to someone. But I can't make the claim that it's always going to feel good. <laughs> that would be dishonest. That would be preparing someone for, uh, that would be, uh, you know, a, a, a promise, a, a check that I can't cash, or that they can't cash, uh, in terms of a promise from the Word of God. And life can be that way. You know, you can start a day praying for a blessing, and end a day praying for mercy. You can start a day reading your Bible, and end a day reading a notice from the IRS. <laughs> I mean, life can start, but days can start good, and then they can end bad. But I believe, based on the text that we have just read, that the way we deal with the pressures of life is by bringing what is good about being a Christian into our bad situations. So we don't. So it's not just. It's not just that we have. You know, the Christian life is a good life, man. When we're at church, everything's great. But then out here in life, man, we have to just struggle on. No, we need to bring what's good about being a Christian into our bad situations, into the pressures of life. So when and we, we do that so that when the pressure of life comes, when pressure comes into our lives, we can trust God's love will preserve us through the trial and teach us what we need to learn 
to help others. I'm going to repeat that again, and I'm going to, that's what we're going to be talking about here tonight. When, the pressure, when pressure comes into our lives, we can trust God's love will preserve us through the trial and teach us what we need to learn to help others. Let's look at that here from Romans chapter 5. And I would ask you tonight, what makes the Christian life so good? If we were to give a defense of it, what, what makes the Christian life so good? Well, let me submit to you, firstly, from our text here in uh, verse 1, that the first thing that makes the Christian life so good is that, number one, we are justified. We are justified people. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. We have been made, we, we've, hear that, we've heard that phrase defined many times, and I think a clever way that we've used many times, but it still works, is God makes us just as if we never sinned. That when, when, we, we, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we take his blood onto our account, when we step into the courtroom of God and say, I have nothing to plead, I have nothing that I can give, I am guilty before your law, but we receive for ourselves the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we take that upon ourselves, and God cleanses us from all sin, we're made justified, made right in the sight of God. That, that's one of the things that makes it good to be a Christian. That we don't have to walk around with a big, heavy load of guilt on our backs. And boy, if you've ever met a new Christian, if you've ever won people to Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do that and just make yourself available to that. It's not something you can do necessarily. It's something that God does through you and he works through in people's hearts. But um, when, you, when you are able to see someone get saved, or maybe you remember from your own salvation experience, you hear this phrase said all the time, it feels like a weight has just been lifted off my shoulders. I'm telling you, nothing else does that like the Holy Spirit of God. And that's because our conscience has become clear from the guilt of sin. The consequences of sin? Yeah, we still got to walk through those. What we sow, we also will reap. That's, God's not going uh, to change that law that he's put into the world. But when, we have, when we're justified before God, it is an amazing thing to know in your heart that, wow, the creator of the universe, the almighty God, I can stand before him absolutely right in the blood of Jesus Christ. And when he looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. That's what he dealt with here in chapter 3 and 4, specifically with the faith of Abraham. And he talks about how Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. God, Abraham had faith in God's plan for righteousness, which was through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we too, the same way, we have faith in God, not, not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness that comes by faith through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we do that, it, the Bible says we're justified by faith. It's an amazing thing. Justification, we're made right in the, in, in the, uh, the eyes of the law. Let's see, verse 24 and 25, I'm not sure. Oh yeah, look, let, me, let me show you verse 4, or chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 24. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed... If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Everything that Jesus went through, the Bible, that verse says right there, was for our justification. It was for you and it was for me. It wasn't so Jesus could be some celebrity in history. It was for you that he died to make you justified, just in the eyes of God. Amazing. So a believer is justified. Also from verse 1, another thing that makes the Christian life so good is that we have peace with God. That's what it says in verse 1, right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where once we were, we were enemies uh, against God through our sin, now he has brought peace to our lives. One author said it this way, a believer is not responsible for having peace in the sense of making it, 
but in the sense of enjoying it. You didn't make peace with God. You didn't talk God out of bringing judgment down on you. You're not going to talk your way into heaven. Jesus paid the price so that you could go to heaven. Jesus cleared the way so that you could be right with God. So when we have peace, it's not, be, it's not peace as in like satisfaction that we've conquered this obstacle. It's peace like as in we've received a wonderful gift. And we enjoy the peace of God in our lives. Or you're supposed to anyway. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. God is not after you, Christian. Hey, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God, God isn't trying to make your life miserable. He's not. Sometimes we do that all the time, and I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not blaspheming here, but we, we all times we say, oh God, or, you know, idos mio, or, you know, we throw that phrase out there like, why are you doing this to me, God? God's not, God's not trying to do anything to you. He loves you. You're his child. What kind of a cruel parent would twist their kid just so that they could feel pain? I mean, that's, that's not how God is. He loves you. He has peace. He has peaceful thoughts towards you, not thoughts of evil. Now, if you're in rebellion against him, or worse, if you're not his child, you're a child of the devil, you've not put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then he is against you. Quite literally, you are at enmity with God. You are God's enemy. But he has made a way for peace through the Lord Jesus Christ, if you'll believe on him. So we have, we're justified, we have peace with God, and then it says in verse 2, we stand by whom we also have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. We are standing, Christians, in grace. We call grace God's unmerited favor, and it is, but it's also his unmerited enabling. Are you with me there? It's what lets us do the purposes of God. That's what 2 Timothy chapter 1, which I've preached here before, talks about. That we have purpose and grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you find out God's purpose, what he wants you to do, you know what you often find out? You're not strong enough to do it. (laughs) It's bigger than you. And that's why it says purpose and grace. Because grace is what lets us do the will of God. It's God's blessing bestowed down on us through the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to be what he wants us to be. It enables us to be righteous. It enables us to have victory over this wicked flesh. Do you, is, do you ever have to... T- so I read an author this week. I've been thinking over this phrase, and I'm not sure if he's right or if he's crazy. He, I bet, you know, sometimes brilliance walks, kind of teeters that line, doesn't it? Where he said the, the problem with... He says the psalmist didn't, would talk to himself about his problems. You read through the Psalms and you hear that. that he's telling his, he talks to his flesh, he talks to his enemies, he's talking to himself. I mean, I think maybe there's something to that, that do you ever sometimes have to talk to your flesh, tell yourself, get out of bed. <laughs> no, don't eat that. <laughs> I mean, you're, ba- you're battling against your flesh and it's a battle you can't win except by grace. And that's what great, that's, that's God's gift to you, child of God. That's a gift that he gives to his children. That's an amazing inheritance. You ever wish you, wish you were the child of a, rich, a very rich person? You had a big inheritance? I, I think I live in a neighborhood that's got a few people like that. Children uh, spending their inheritance. I don't know. I advertised this sermon on our website, so hope, hopefully nobody heard that. Not trying to be judgmental, but sometimes some people think that, man, I wish my parents had just struck gold. Or you get on the Ancestry.com and you're trying to find, like, maybe there's somebody in my family tree that has a fortune that I'm entitled to or something like that. And you're, you know, you're looking through there and you're thinking, man, that would be neat. I'm telling you, if you're a child of God, you are, you have got a rich inheritance. Your father has given you from all the treasures that he has stored through all of time, amazing grace to fulfill his purposes. We stand 
in grace. I don't know what you stood in today, if it was in your own strength and your own frustration, but what you could have done today and what we all could have done today is stand in grace. And, I, and if you're a Christian, I hope that you will endeavor to do that the rest of this week. Stand in grace. It's, it's there. It's yours to have through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse 2, not only are we justified by faith, not only are we at peace with God, not only are we stand in grace, but it says we have hope. Look at verse 2. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have hope. Man, what a blessing. And so there's kind of three main thoughts there. Peace, grace, hope. And I think one author said it this way. That could represent our past. In other words, God has given us peace from our past through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the forgiveness of sins. And then, it's, and then it's, we talked about grace. That's the present. That's how we live day by day is through grace. And then the Bible says we have hope. That's our future. That we have hope in the glory of God. We have hope that this crazy, crazy world is not going to go on like this forever. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's not going to go on like this forever. This world had a beginning and you can be sure it will have an end, either through your own natural death or when God decides that he's going to set off a chain of events that is going to begin the end times, the end of the world. But this world will have an end and it's not going to be, you know, like, you know, open time magazine. Here's the world 50 billion years from now and it's a big red rock. No, 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 no. God had the beginning of the world all planned out, and you can be sure he's got the end of the world planned out as well. And so we, have, we can have hope in the glory of God. We can have hope that when we think God is receiving no glory in the world, no men don't look up to him, men don't fear him, men don't respect him, people don't listen to him, we have hope in the glory of God. God's glory is going to be revealed to all of mankind in time. You know how he decides to reveal it right now? You. Me. Through his children. The kingdom of God is where? In this building? It's in us. The kingdom of God is in us. But we have hope of the glory of God. So you should be proud about these things. The peace, the grace, the hope. In, in the right sort of way. Proud. Yes. Yes, Pastor Mike, I'm with you there. It's good to be a Christian. Amen. These truths should encourage you. Make you say, that's great. If you have all those things, then life will be awesome. But Paul has one more thing to brag about. He's bragged about peace. He's bragged about justification. He's bragged about hope. But now he's going to brag about something that he considers the crown of all these things. He's going to brag about tribulations. Tribulations. Isn't that something to be proud of? Tribulation. A little unusual. I think Paul's good at setting them up and knocking them down. I mean, he does that a lot in his writings. That's what it says, is it not? Look at verse 3. And not only so, but we glory, like we glory in our hope, glory in our justification, glory in grace, glory in faith. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. When life gets tough, we glory in that too. When life has pressure, that's what that word literally means. Tribulation, pressures. Read a few dictionary definitions. An oppressive state, oppressive. Ugh. What a word. An oppressive state of physical, mental, social, or economic adversity. The word literally, I love this definition, it means squashed. You ever felt squashed? You know what I'm talking about. Man, what a, what a, whoever wrote that dictionary, I like that guy. Squashed. Sometimes we feel that way. Life has just got pressure on us. You know, I, I think about today, just feeling a little squashed. Thinking about, you know, the, the 9-11 memorial opening, and maybe some of you listened to that on the radio, and 
you know, brings up a lot of memories for everybody in all different sorts of ways. And, and pastor has asked me to be careful about referencing that date and not, not overusing that in the pulpit. But, uh, you know, just when we're thinking about these things, just the pressure of life just kind of comes down on us. And maybe you're thinking about the state of your, you know, your checkbook. You're thinking about the state of your family. You're thinking about, and all these things are legitimate concerns. You're thinking about your own well-being, your physical well-being. And we can just feel pressured, like we're in tribulation, like we're squashed. Paul says he rejoices in those times. He says, that's when I rejoice. I don't rejoice when the big paycheck comes in. I don't rejoice when uh, the inheritance rolls in. I rejoice in tribulation. Why? Well, the reason that he does that is because he has confidence that when pressures and pain come into his life, and I'm going to explain this here, when pressures and pain come into his life, they set off a chain reaction of development that results in hope. Hope you can hang your hat on. When you have hope, you can go through just about anything. When you have hope, then you have something to look forward to. There's the hope is that light at the end of that tunnel. It lets you know, I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay. We're going to get to the other side when you have hope. And Paul says that when tribulations come, they set off this chain reaction that causes hope in his life. So let's look at what that is. Verse 3. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now, pastor preached on this, like I said, not so many weeks ago, so I'm not going to over-define here. But patience is essentially perseverance. It's steadfastness. It's the ability to remain under difficulties without giving in. You ever watched a new person at work that wasn't steadfast? They said, oh man, I've got this job, or my dad had this job, so I know I can do this job, or you know, I, whatever, I've got all these credentials. I got a, hey now, I got a college degree. Hello, nobody ever had one of those before I got one. And uh, so, you know, I'm super qualified, I can handle this. And you, you try to warn them. You say, okay, t- all right, all right hotshot, let's see how you do. And a day or two later, whoosh, gone. I've been that guy before, actually. I'm not going to be too far down on him. But you think you know what you're doing, and boom, you're gone. It says patience. That's that perseverance. It enables you to be steadfast. And when things get tough, the ability to go on. Well, sometimes knowing what something is can be defined by knowing what it isn't. So not having patience is pulling up to a, a bridge in New York City. You're driving and there's gridlock and declaring, I can't believe this. You, sir, you, you can't believe this? You didn't know that traffic happened around here? Patience is pulling up to the same bridge and declaring, welcome to New York. <laughs> Enjoy the landscape, the sea of cars. Not having patience is saying, I can't stand the people I work with. I'll just find another job. Patience is saying, I like my job, and I'm not going to let this difficult person change that. That's patience. Not having patience is running the moment your expectations are not met. Patience is staying with something, even if it doesn't turn out the way you expected. Paul says that the only way we can develop that is through tribulation. I can't teach you patience in a book. Not possible. Now, you can go to the bookstore on Amazon and pay thousands about books that'll teach, that say that they'll teach you how to be patient. No way. Paul says the way God teaches us patience is through tribulation. So it teaches us patience. And when we have experience, then what develops in our life, or excuse me, when we have patience, then what develops is experience. And experience, essentially, I mean, the basis of the word is character. 
someone, it's not, so it's not that I have this experience, but it's more than that. It's that I've learned from this experience. It's not just that I, okay, I can chalk one down. I went through that difficulty. It's more than that. It's that I've gone through that difficulty and I have learned what God wants me to learn from it. I, God has taught me a lesson from that. And what that builds in your life is character. The quality of being proven, dependable, and reliable. Boy, do we need some people with character in our world today. The quality of being proven dependable and reliable. A person with experience doesn't make excuses to quit because of difficulty. He does what needs to be done no matter the obstacle. Think of it as a, a proven soldier in battle. You know, when a soldier, you know, he's been through boot camp and that certainly teaches him a lot of things. But when he gets out there on battle and the rubber meets the road and he does what he's supposed to do and he gets through it, now he has experience. He has character. He's, 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 he has been proven dependable and reliable. You know, sometimes you see these men walking around. Uh, I saw actually a couple today. Some men wear them all the time, some just on the weekends, some for special holidays. But they got these black caps with the veteran of this war. You ever seen those? And they got the vest on or something. You know, those are some good people to meet. You know, if he's in line with you in Starbucks or what coffee shop, then maybe you ought to buy him one and uh, talk to that person. I'm telling you, those people, you know what they have? Character. You don't get to wear that hat on your head just because you got through boot camp. Usually you're wearing that because you got through the war. Because you, you did your time. You did what you were supposed to do. And you were proven reliable and dependable. I'm telling you, people like that, you can learn a lot from. And you know what you may need to admit, like I have to, that you don't have as much of that as you think. That you're a hot shot. <laughs> I am having to learn that lesson. Pastor Montoro told me recently, I had a guy just with a big personality just steamroll me. And uh, this guy was in, in Greenpoint, and he, uh, he, <laughs> he actually wanted to, he wanted to visit the church and just really knocked me, knocked me sideways. And we had to basically, I had to have Pastor call him, and, and we had to tell him that you, could, you can't come to the church if you're going to be like that. And that was a really kind of uh, weird situation. And Pastor told me, he goes, you know what your problem is, Mike? You're pushable. And I said, well, I'm going to be more tough. And he's like, no, you can't avoid it. It's just what, what you are. <laughs> and you need to go, you need to grow, and you need to, you know, and in time, you know, you'll, you'll get experience. You'll get character. I had a pastor's wife tell me some good advice. She said, you may pass, and I was, I was probably like 17 when she told me this, and I, I stood up and said something super arrogant and stupid, and, and uh, I continued to do that on a regular basis. But I stood up and said something like that. She looked me right in the eye, and she was kind of a jokester, but she wasn't joking. She said, Pastor Mike, or Brother Mike, you may think your hot's not on a silver platter, but you're just cold boogers on a paper plate. <laughs> and that may be a bit crude, but I tell you what, she put me in my place that night, and uh, I've had to be put in my place several times since. And, uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, we need experience. And that experience can only be learned through tribulation, through trial. But when we go through tribulation and it develops experience, it develops patience and experience, then we, we come out of that with hope. And hope is a reasonable and confident expectation of a future event. Hope. We could all use some hope tonight. When you have patience and experience and that next phone call comes or person shows up at your door or a letter comes in the mail that lets you know there will be tough days ahead, or tough weeks ahead. You won't need to run and hide, but you will have hope that God has taken care of you this far, and with him, you can endure the next trial. 
you say, Pastor Mike, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with this problem, and it's, it's, it's not a necessarily a life or death situation, but it's just driving me crazy. You know what it may be preparing you for? The life or death situation. It really could be. That God is very gracious in not overloading us with things we can't handle until first he's proven us in the things that we can. And I think sometimes maybe when we don't go through the things that we can the right way and the things we can't come at us, boy, they just knock us over. And I don't, I don't want to be that person, do you? I want to learn from every lesson God has for me. And I hope you do too. And maybe there's something going on in your life that, you know, it's not a life or death thing, but it's something that's just really getting at you. I want to tell you something. Learn from it. God's preparing you for the next thing. God's preparing you for that phone call, that letter that's going to make the next few weeks, next few months, next few years difficult. But we need to be ready. And I'm going to conclude uh, with this thought tonight. Um, what, what do we have to base all this on? How can I just take... Brother Mike, you admit it to yourself. You're young. You don't know anything. <laughs> Whoops. How, how, how can we trust that this chain reaction is going, isn't going to be our undoing? That when big things come, they're not just going to destroy us. Here's why. Because Christ went through the same thing. Look at it in verse 6. For when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's life on earth is a living example of what we are supposed to be. You want to be the kind of person God wants you to be? Then be the kind of person that Christ was. It's just that simple. Remember when, past, when Brother Peter was here um, before he went off to school again? Um, and he, he preached to us a, a, an outstanding exposition, and you can find it on the website of uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. He did such a good job and really, really clicked in my mind. I've heard it preached that way before, but it just, I mean... He just, God used him that night. That God's working to make us more like his son. Why? Because his son is what he is well pleased in. He looked when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water. Keep in mind, 30 years old, sinless life. He lived for 30 years sinless. Now, I am approaching that dreaded age of 30 and the death of my youth and all those different things. But pray for me. And, uh, but... He, he reached the age of 30 without sin. And he was, John the Baptist pushed him down into the water under great objection. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of heaven descended on him like a dove. And what did God say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You want to please the Father? Be like His Son. Live like He lived. And remember all the three things we just talked about. Patience, experience, hope. Remember Christ. Remember that Christ was extremely patient with people, was He not? He was extremely patient through the, through the difficulties that he went to. He was patient through his tribulations. He was patient through his temptation with the devil. He was patient on the cross. Remember his experience that he uh, slept on the ground outside. He, he, went with, uh, he lived in poverty. He lived um, a very plain and ordinary life. And um, he lived in very difficult times where there was a government that was oppressive. He lived all those, through those things and he gained experience. And, and the Bible even testifies of that, that he grew in favor with God and, and with man. And then Christ had hope. And when he stood before the ruler and they said, are you a king? He didn't say, yeah, I am the king and I could t- send 10,000 angels and put you right out of power, bucko. Is that what he said? No, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. He had hope in the future that God was doing something, and this had to happen. He said, not my will, but thine be done. He had hope in the future, in the glory of God, that would be shed through, through him, through his death, and he had hope. Do you have that hope tonight? Do you have hope in eternity? Brother uh, Henry Ironside said it this way. He said, in a testimony meeting in, in the South, an illiterate Christian got up and said, she was always blessed by the words, and it came to pass in her Bible. She said, when I was upset by troubles, I go to the Bible, and I never get far before I read, it came to pass. And I say, bless the Lord, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. <laughs> you know, you're going through difficulties in your life, it'll come to pass. Everything does. It will. It may not be easy, I can't promise you that. But it will, it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. God is doing something. He can turn any evil into good. One author put it this way. The easy roads are crowded. The level roads are jammed. The pleasant little rivers with their drifting folks are crammed. But off yonder where it's rocky, where you get a better view, you will find the ranks are thinning and the travelers are few. Where the going smooth and pleasant, you will always find the throng. For the many, more's the pity, seem to like to drift along. But the steps that call for courage and the task that's hard to do, in the end results in glory for the never wavering few. Christian, you don't have to let every setback in your life leave you frustrated. Embrace the hope that comes from the love of God. You are not alone. God is with you. And we are too. Your brothers and sisters are with you too. Let's bow for a word of prayer. As the piano player begins to play, have just a moment of invitation here and we'll be dismissed. We're right on time tonight. God's spoken to you about something in your life. I'm not saying be afraid of tomorrow. No way. That would be foolish. I want you to be ready for tomorrow. I don't want you to walk around thinking, oh no, what, what's the next problem going to come in my life? Not at all the intention tonight. I just want you to be ready for when that comes. And again, I want to be careful with the illustration and sensitive to the issue. But the truth of the...